This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living, sponsored by Vane Innovations. And a good Saturday to you folks. I'm Belinda Skelton. And with me in the studio is my buddy and foodie correspondent, David Danzig. And we have one of Atlanta's celebrity chefs with us this hour to discuss what he's up to these days and to take your calls. The man behind the H&F burger himself, Linton Hopkins. Thanks for joining us, sir. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's great to be here. Well, I just, I cannot call myself an H&F burger virgin anymore because <laughs> i just tasted the best we just watched you lose your virginity you Belinda. just <laughs> watch me in fact i have a picture on your website of you losing your virginity the moment uh and, your burger your hnf burger and it's as good as everybody said it was gonna be <laughs> well yeah. yeah hopefully the expectations are not too high right because, right you, know, you heard me it's just a good burger you know it is a great burger um, well, now, thanks. now let's let's give a little uh, rundown of the the folklore of the H and F burger, so to speak. Well, a lot of people, you know, say, "Hey, that was really smart marketing," but it was really my wife Gina's idea. It was smart marketing. Uh, yeah, then. she's smart, and uh, we wanted people to eat late at night, and so we said, "Let's put it at ten o'clock." And everyone's, "Well, why were you just doing twenty four? Well, we you know believe fresh food, good food, should run out every day. And the idea of a restaurant is not to hold inventory, it's just cook each day that fresh ingredient. So this burger is made fresh everything every day, ground every day, ketchup and mustard made every day, the bread baked every day, cooked every day, then we run out. And the griddle can only cook 12 burgers at a time, so we felt cooking just 12 would be too few. We thought 36 would have leftovers, so 24 it is. 24. Okay, so then people, you started serving this burger around 10 o'clock at night. Right at 10 o'clock at night, and then we had to create some rules about, okay, people would come in at 5.30 and wait for that burger. So we ask you, can you eat every 30 minutes or just order a drink or something? Because they're hanging around the tables. Well, we're only 35 seats. It's a, You've been there. It's a tiny yeah. place, and so there's not much room. And so, yeah, people knew to come there at 10. It would just be this... 10 o'clock, boom, it's burger time, and it was fun, but it started to run its course where, you know, we, we just, I just don't like to say no in the hospitality business, and we saw a, what was a three-generation family there at six in the afternoon. Wow. You know, grandfathers and kids, and what are we doing? Like, just serve them a burger. You know, they're, they're here for this burger. This burger's this thing now. They don't want to wait till 10 o'clock. They didn't know about the 10 o'clock thing. Did you think the glitter would blow off the burger if it was served any time? Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, what what is it about that burger that really caught people's imagination? I think the 10 o'clock thing is fun. Right. But there's a point where you don't want the shtick anymore. And, and people for- would, would go, well, what? Because I was one of the nerds that would queue up at, you know, I'd sl- <laughs> slink in there about 830 and, you know, just I'd drink a couple of those uh well, the uh, that that lime ice cube really got me. If you've never been to Holman and Finch, the cocktails it really, I mean, started the whole cocktail craze in Atlanta. But I digress. <laughs> but yes, I would, and then I would right at ten o'clock, I would you know be like Horshack on Welcome Back, I'm like oh 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 oh, and and people would say, well, what what's so special about it? And I still to this day have the hard time explaining it, other than it's juicy and gooey and the American cheese and. 
bun is perfect and it just feels good in your hand and it and it it's a pleasure center of the brain um it just connects and and obviously i'm not the only one a lot of people did and so it's become this phenomenon that started as a kind of a cult classic we wanted it to be uh for me it was building an icon the best compliment i've ever had about it was a friend of mine had taken a bite and he's in the television industry in la and he said this is a memory burger Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. really what burgers are for me burgers are being with my grandfather at the varsity yeah Mm -hmm. prior to a braves game or a falcons game it's being with my dad going to steak and shake you know when i'm 14 right and so burgers it's amazing with Americans. Like, what are the things that unify us? And this is why they say a burger is this classic thing. We all have a burger memory. And so I want this to go to that because usually it is that diner burger that's the burger memory. It's not the chefed up burger with a million toppings, this sophisticated burger. It's not brioche. It's not foie gras and duck mm-hmm. fat. It's American beef, American cheese, cooked simply. The only seasoning is salt. Um, it's Kraft American cheese, which is the first American cheese. Wow. And uh, it's the little details. It's toasting the bun so you get that crispy edge around the outside. And that helps the bite. It's the caramelization. It's all these things. And the meat is just cooked perfectly. It's all Georgia beef. Yeah, it comes from down around Savannah. And it's uh, chuck and brisket. And we grind it every day. Well, you started with Restaurant Eugene mm-hmm. here in the city. And you opened it with your wife. That's right. Gina and I, home, you know, Restaurant Eugene was our labor of love. It was, you know, we were working in D.C. at the time and said, let's open our own place. And, of course, Atlanta's home. It was going to be in Atlanta. We love fine dining where you can have a conversation and build memories with who you're with. And so Eugene is really sort of the, the sort of font of all the ideas around hospitality and Developing relationships with people that provide the food, the farms, the artisans, the relationship building, relationship with community. And then our bartender at the time, Greg Best, uh, was our bartender at Eugene. We were like, let's open a bar together. Brought some partners in, some friends. You know, they've gone to move on their own Mm -hmm. thing, but they're part of this story of collaboration, which is so often not told in our business. It's not about Linton Hopkins. You know, chefs now are, like you said, celebrity in the limelight. But we should almost, in a way, go back in our caves a little bit and just be a part of team building and knowing how to develop relationships with a turnip farmer. And that's when turnips are going to be amazing. Well, I think that's you're one of the first restaurants um, and chefs that's, that brought us to the true farm-to-table, um, the fresh ingredients, uh, getting us to know where our food came from, the closer the better, get to know the farmer who grew your produce. I think you're one of the first restaurants in this city that brought that closer to home for us. Yeah, your, your, rest, your, uh, your vegetable, uh, your seasonal vegetables at restaurant, you, like you talk about a memory I'll never forget the first time I ate your, a plate of your... Ve- it, I mean, it's a vegetable plate, right? That's, Wrong. That's our signature Wrong. plate there. It's yeah. the one plate as a structure has not changed. And what's so great about that plate is it's a way for chefs to teach cooks how to cook. So we assign a vegetable 
to a cook, and they have to provide a method. So at minimum, it has to have seven vegetables, five different methods on that plate. Wow. And that dish Gina and I bought in New York in this old copper kitchen store, the same one Julia Child shopped in, and we're still using those copper dishes. Um, and I, the, the idea of that vegetable plate is the center of what all our vision around food is, collaboration, local, fresh, uh, rich Southern tradition. It's not about Southerners overcooking vegetables and cooking everything mm-hmm. with fat back, even though that's delicious. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying, look at the wealth of vegetable cookery in the American South. It's really something else. And the South, as you know, is the oldest regional food uh, culture in the, the Americas and um, in America. And it's really this, you know, it's a story of Africa and Native mm-hmm. America and Europe mishmashing together to build succotash with roast pork and collard greens and okra. I mean, it's just... So to to be a chef and find out who you are through your food, it's amazing what the American South and the role of vegetables plays in that. And now the Southern form of cooking is internationally known and, and acclaimed. Oh, we're still a mystery. So when I talked <laughs> to a chef friends of mine, I was up in New York, I doing a thing for food and wine at uh, this restaurant called the Chef's Club, and I was invited to have five recipes. And here's DDA Elena, three-star Michelin French chef, work with Elaine Ducasse, and I'm teaching him how to cook Johnny Cakes. Oh, <laughs> I know? love Johnny Cakes. I know, and he's like, Johnny Cake. He's like, this is just <laughs> like the, uh, the Soka back home in Nice. And we bonded over the street foods of Nice hmm. and the memories of his grandfather. And here I am talking about Johnny Cakes and cast iron skillets. He said, this is the dish. And Johnny Cake is just typically a very uh, a thin cornbread. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. I mean, it's simplest. It's buttermilk, cornmeal, and lard with salt. And it makes the most lattice-like, amazing little cake, like a griddle cake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Chef, um, so we're here with Chef Linton Hopkins. So you were... Uh, born and raised here, just mm-hmm. down the street from White Columns here at the station. Born in New York. Okay. My father was a, was a doctor and was doing his residency, and we were in a blizzard up in uh, Rochester, New York. But quickly, but multi generational, my son's uh, ninth generation Georgia. Okay. And so I, I feel like I was in a, a southern embassy up north. <laughs> So I still I can still run for president. Yeah, you, yes, you don't you, can. Yes, you don't can. have Yankee credentials. We're, you're good. You're good with us. I know. But so then you you also went to the Culinary Institute of America. So, you know, you're you're. I've spoken with you before. You've got this encyclopedic knowledge of Southern culture and Southern foods and the history behind them. Is that something you learn at CIA? For those of you who don't know, that's I mean that's essentially the Harvard or Yale of of culinary experience. I mean that's a big. Big deal. Yeah, you know, for me, cooking is, you know, I was anthropology major pre-med at Emory, and and I love studying what I want to study. Mm-hmm. And I also was, you know, looking for this career that would allow me to learn the rest of my life. And boy, cooking and cuisine and the culture of food and how we relate with each other and just even geeking out about technique. And to be in a school that has the largest culinary library in the country where you can write a paper about truffles. I mean, that's right. just crazy. I still <laughs> pinch myself about this is absolutely what I love to do. I love to eat, obviously. You know, I love uh, cooking an omelet, and I love practicing an omelet for the rest of my life. You know, mincing a shallot and getting better every single day. There's a discipline to it, but there's a joy in it. And it's, uh, you know, the door that uh, cuisine opens for living a life is pretty amazing. It, it's certainly 
It is, and you have made a passion for your life and given the passion to the rest of Atlantans to enjoy what you love so much. We're going to take a break. We're speaking with uh, Chef Linton Hopkins of Restaurant Eugene, Holman and Finch Public House, H&F Bottle Shop. I can go on and I will. Once we come back from this break, you're listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News and WSB. Our 24-hour news center is delivering updates four times an hour all weekend. You can depend on it. And we'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 to 9, with breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes when you wake up. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now, back to Belinda Skelton. Thank you, Scott. And we are speaking with Chef Linton Hopkins of the famed restaurant Eugene, uh, Holman and Finch, the H&F Burger, H&F Bottle Shop. And, and we've got more coming on the, at the Pont City Market. But he was instrumental in bringing the Peachtree Road Farmer's Market to Atlanta, which is at the Episcopal Cathedral on uh on that's uh, Peachtree Street there, right across from Fellini's, and that's been tremendous for this city, Linton. Uh, well, I think uh, it started with Morningside Farmers Market and Ann Brewer, who's since passed away, was a real mentor to me. And I said, Ann, we'd love to build a farmers market in our neighborhood, and she gave us all the operating regulations and how to do it. And it was really a mentor and instrumental in saying, let's have some farmers stand in a parking lot on a Saturday morning. And Atlanta showed up. Boy, did they ever. You started with six farmers, and how many now? 60 vendors were capped out. Uh, $4.5 million flows into Georgia Farms uh, with that market uh, annually. It is a amazing success story about people wanting great food and supporting our local economy. And it opens uh, early spring and goes until late fall at the um, at the cathedral on Peachtree Street, the Episcopal Cathedral. I mean, it is spectacular. You can you can eat breakfast there on Saturday mornings. Opens at nine o'clock. So check that out um, a little later. But you have your hands and lots of little things, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about that. But the latest I want to give people a taste of is at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Oh, uh, the Botanical Gardens is such a special place for Atlanta and. That's a partnership, you know, around how do we, what is the role of food in a botanical garden? And the botanical garden is an international quality level uh, item. You know, it's just, it's an all-star. It's mind-blowing. So the food better keep up. And so we said, how do we deliver a food system there uh, that does the same thing? How do we use the, the horticulturalists there to start providing the food there, which is so amazing? We've got... Uh, some amazing talent there. They're growing green peppercorns for us in the orchid room. Hmm. Vanilla, chocolate, uh, cinnamon bark, uh, all these things because they have a subtropical room. So they're growing things at the botanical gardens that you're actually able to use in the restaurant. Oh, absolutely. Here's what's amazing is green peppercorns you can't bring in from Indonesia fresh. All right, They're not allowed in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of agricultural stuff, pests. The Botanical Gardens, we have fresh green peppercorns. Now, the first harvest was uh, eight peppercorns. So we're starting small. <laughs> small batch. Small batch. 
<laughs> you'll get one flake on your plate, and <laughs> you'll like, like a it. truffle. I know. That's right. Okay, more to come. We have uh, Chef Linton Hopkins in the studio with us with my buddy David Danzig of the website BitesAndSights.net. You're listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Sponsored by Granite Transformations. Done in a day. Beautiful for life. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. In the studio with me, my buddy and foodie correspondent, David Danzig. And the... Chef Atlanta's uh, uh, superstar chef, uh, Linton Hopkins with Restaurant Eugene, Holman and Finch, the H&F Burger. Oh, we've got uh, H&F Chicken. Hops Chicken. Hops Chicken and Ponce City Market. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Ponce is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of fun. It's a great building, you know. It's a great location. And so you talked a lot about, in this last half hour, about community and partnerships. And it seems that that's what your passion is for, is really making the community um, more whole, more healthy. And you've partnered with Delta. Yeah, you know, I am so inspired by Delta Airlines and what Richard Anderson and their team of amazing leaders are doing. And when they asked me to participate in this idea, I said, well, we have a wonderful opportunity. You know, their biggest thing, which is what drives me, is service leadership, Mm -hmm. being of service to others. And so with food, how can I be of service to Delta Airlines? And so it was why have food on a plane? That was the fundamental question. Like, people get upset if you just removed all the food, but it's not like you're going to have all these casualties. Right. right. You know, people are not going to just be dying on the plane because you don't have a great food program. Right. But if you're going to do food, same way with the idea with a partnership with the Botanical Gardens, then do food. And that means fr- locally sourced, from scratch cooking, uh, clean up the supply chain so that it's fresh every single day. So the food we serve on Delta right now, flying to Europe, is all from scratch, local Georgia artisans. We built a commissary kitchen just to do it. White Oak Pastures chicken pot pie, fresh bread from H&F Bread Company, uh, artisan pesto. Right before I came on uh, today, I was on talks with uh, Hope's Garden, Leslie and Dave Lennox, amazing pesto makers from Peachtree Road Farmer's Market. They're on the plane. They're on three menu items. Wow. So it actually is real food. And the whole point is to customize outbound flight solutions using local supply chain. And then you have a global strategy of local supply chains creating a network for the largest airline company in the world. Now, I just got back from Los Angeles and Seattle looking at how do we start that same thing for them there with local friends, Ethan Stoll in Seattle and John and Vinny, uh, amazing chefs in Los Angeles do that i love how you've partnered with what just totally exemplifies atlanta you're with delta um you you're in the brave stadium um the the old one and the new one that's being built and we'll touch on that in just a moment the atlanta botanical gardens um you are you are atlanta (laughs) well i i'm of atlanta and i'm of service to atlanta and you know growing up here my father's family's from here since uh, the Civil War, and you start to feel a responsibility. And I say this to myself first, and I ask this of others, if not us, then who? 
And if not now, then when? And when you grow up here and it's your hometown, there's town, town pride. And I cheer for the Falcons even when we suffer. I cheer for the Braves. I've suffered. The Hawks. <laughs> right. The Flames. You right. know, like um, – I, but I drank Coca-Cola, and I cheer the Braves, and I said to John Scherholtz, I just want to eat my cheeseburger here, too. Right. And so now we've got local good food, third-party relationships, and they're expanding that in SunTrust Park, and Geo's Pizza is going to be there, and uh, the battery is the development out there. We're going to have a steakhouse. It's a great partnership. So you're talking about the the new Brave Stadium that's going to be in Cobb County. So mm-hmm. there will be an H&F burger that's going to be inside the stadium like, right. like a lot of people were able to enjoy in and the oh and and Turner, Turner Field. Field. Yeah, still still going. Still going. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we got our final we'll year coming season. up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then a lot of fresh uh, faces. Lot of, <laughs> and right. people people will wait in line for that burger. That maybe the will, most exciting thing for the 2016 season is getting up getting one of your burgers. People yeah. are funny, you know. I really believe about I like to see people as good uh, naturally. I'm an optimist. I'm I'm fine if I'm a bit of a Pollyanna. Um but they will wait longer and pay more for good food. Absolutely. And, and, the, and because people want good for themselves. And, they, and they're and they tired of being sold cheap, frankly. Yes. And I think we're seeing that flip. There's a tipping point. It's already happened. And it's flipping across the country right now. Yeah, and that's, that's really – you know, you sort of came along, I think, at a moment when, you know, you and I both grew up here uh, – the palate wasn't ready, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back in the 90s, I would say. Even the – maybe the early 2000s and then all of a sudden i don't know if it was i'd love to hear your opinion was it the cooking shows or you know what was it where all of a sudden people were open to you know holman and finch the, how you do the butchery and the charcuterie i mean all of a sudden atlanta grew up all of a sudden and had this demand for it. that's how the farmer's market became a a big thing people said i want the good stuff and i'm ready and i can tr- and i'll try something again they got adventurous well i think you're right i think what happens it's evolutionary and that's what's so amazing about it. Sort of like how calculus was invented by two separate individuals on two separate countries. It's the same way with everything with human beings. It just gets better. And, uh, you know, we look at like the role Pano uh, Caritas mm-hmm. has played in Atlanta, critical mm-hmm. to developing a culture around restaurants. Mm-hmm. Then you have Annie Quatrano, who's become a good friend. Both of them are good friends. What she did at Bacchanalia was another part of this journey, and it's this continual handoff and, again, this sharing of food. And then the Food Network opens up, and Emeril, who's an amazing chef, we worked in a restaurant uh, adjacent to Emeril's. We actually hung out at the same bar uh, in New Orleans (laughs) together. Our crews shared, like, Parmesan cheese and, like, can I borrow this? And, uh, you know, that caught the culture's eyes. and look at it. The Food Network's what? The number two uh, oh, station on television, and it's rated G. Yeah. And that's what's cool, too, is food touches people in some very special places. And then when you start resonating in this world where we're sold so much and there's so much to capture our attention, what brings it back to just being human beings again? It's the table and the metaphor of the table and cooking, family memories, trying to create new memories. Even Habitat for Humanity is working on this idea of creating kitchens for people. And so it really, you know, uh, Hugh Atchison is doing a lot of great work, you know, a chef friend of mm-hmm. mine, on bringing home ec back. You know, this idea, mm-hmm. where did home ec go? I wish I had home ec. Right. You know, I could, learned home ec at home, but a lot of people don't. Right. And so, yeah, how do we get people off just pure uh, fast food culture? 
we empower them to cook. And I love to see uh, on Food Network and, and other shows children being inspired by this celebrity chef uh, sensation we have going on and wanting to be in the kitchen and wanting to cook and being as creative as they are. And you guys are responsible for that. It's fun. It's the role of chefs. You know, I like to say chefs didn't invent food. So what is our role? Well, our, jo- our job is to celebrate it, to protect it. I, I call ourselves, and I'm a bit of a geek, and I just saw it last night, of course, the Star Wars movie. We're the, we're the Jedi Knights of food. You- oh. All right, our job is to be real honest and candid and fight for good food against the Empire. Like, our job is about goodness. And, uh, and once you open that door, it, the light just starts pouring in. It's pretty amazing. Well, the Force has definitely been with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's, and, and, um, and really just, and you are very Jedi like. You, you're, you're, you're very, je- I feel like you're, you're a competitive guy. You, you, you have all these concepts. And they're all amazing. And I, we were talking about your the bread, for instance, and uh, the H and F bread is is just sublime. And how it's on all these menus. How you, you know you are, um, you know you're just you're very complimentary of other chefs, and you you're inclusive. And I think that's so refreshing. And I'm sure that was part of we haven't even brought up that you know Linton uh, is a James Beard chef i mean uh i'm not sure if there's another one in town i mean it's like the best actor oscar uh and and i it totally makes sense because you are an ambassador on so many levels the competition is fun you know i went on iron chef i mean that's fun stuff i love beating my friends playing them in cards or (laughs) golf or take me on in a game of monopoly i'm gonna i'll you know i'm gonna try to bankrupt you around that board it's fun but you're still my friend. Right. You know, that's part of it. Competition's healthy and good, um, but let's just channel it the right way, you know? And um, it's like a classic. It's like in Mayberry RFD, you know, where Aunt B has a pickle competition, and she and they're all in this fight over pickles. You know, that's fun stuff, and it's good to have that, too. Healthy competition. Not the dark side. <laughs> Not the, the dark side. Not the dark be. side. Don't use it for evil. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Use it for, like, okay, wow, we've got better pickles. Yeah. <laughs> so... Looking at 2016 and Atlanta's restaurant industry, where where are we headed? What do you see? Look into your crystal ball, Linton. Mm-hmm. What do you see coming down the pipeline? Well, you know, for us, we have the new Botanical Gardens restaurant opening up, uh, we think, in April. Um, we'll have it up two stories overlooking the park. Unbelievable. We're going to fully realize, I think, our relationship with the garden in that role. I think that's going to be awesome. And then what you're seeing are chefs embracing this idea of building uh, multiple concepts and realizing they can be in different neighborhoods. So I had lunch today at Revival, Kevin Gillespie's mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. restaurant. It's that. you know. What is the next thing? You've got uh, Todd Ginsburg opening up a retail bakery in the Emory area uh, right next to uh, General Muir. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. So you're going to see each neighborhood become richer. Mm-hmm. And it's not about groups coming from outside of Atlanta to make it richer. It's going to be homegrown. And so it's really going to be this, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to what Ford Fry is going to do next. I mean, my gosh, mm-hmm. that guy's on a roll. Um, he's going to probably, I think he's got another Super Rica opening up in a neighborhood. And the whole point is why leave your neighborhood now? And that's the way yeah. dining in New York is best. It's not about driving up and down the island. It's about go to the West Village, stay there, and you'll have the most amazing time. And we can mention that you can go and buy H&F bread um, on Ellsworth Industrial Boulevard on the West End and uh, load up people, freeze it. It is delicious, and you're getting 
superb restaurant quality uh, wonderful bread that like you said you started this because you could not find bread that didn't wasn't loaded with preservatives right well here's what's crazy so here we are in 2007 and i'm wanting to open holman and finch and so much of the menu is around bread um there wasn't a bakery i mean there's a great bakery alans who i, I mm-hmm. love alan what he does with bread he didn't deliver seven days a week we were open seven days a week I need a bread supply seven days a week. It's not about buying bread on Saturday and serving it a day old on, on Sunday. So we're like, okay, let's build a bakery just for us and sell to some friends. Um, and really, I realize chefs a lot of times are at a disadvantage because we don't have access to a lot of this fresh food. Uh, the delivery systems aren't mm-hmm. there. So we built it for that. And so what you have now on Ellsworth Industrial is just... Our, our our overage, you know, so we don't throw it away. And after guests don't buy it that day, it goes to charity. Or we uh, use it for breadcrumbs or croutons or things like that, just around fresh bread every day. That was the very simple sort of naive idea, like, <laughs> duh. Well, <laughs> well, I'm glad you're sharing myself. Uh, it's good to share. It's good to share. Okay, we're speaking with Chef Linton Hopkins, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, our final segment, you're listening to Atlanta Living, only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Take your quality of life up a notch. A good Southern woman would not show up <laughs> empty-handed. With the new Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. I never thought I would have a dessert with bacon in it. On WSB. all is over. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton, sitting in with my buddy, David Danzig, my foodie correspondent. David, where can we find you during the week? My website is bitesandsights.net. Also, be sure to go to belindaskelton.com. We've got some pictures of you eating your first H&F burger I just posted. I, I said I lost uh, my virginity on yes, my h and, um, and and then you can find me through your site or at my website, bitesandsights.net. Follow me on all the social media. And we have one of Atlanta's celebrity chefs in the studio, Linton Hopkins. And it's been such a pleasure because I fell in love with your restaurant, Restaurant Eugene, years ago with the best steak I have ever put in my mouth. Hmm. And I, I stopped the the maitre d' and I said, I've got to know, this is different than anything else. And then he started to explain how that y'all prepare steaks differently than everyone else, and it made perfect sense. Well, you know, we use a thermal circulator. Uh, which is uh, an advanced uh, technique in cookery, which is really about time and temperature control, cooking uh, foods in vacuum pouches. It's understanding protein set points, and what is cooked meat is nothing more than a, uh, a changing of the protein structure through heat. So it's scientific. It brings back my organic chemistry classes. And that's why you're cooking it, and I'm going right. to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, you lost yeah. me after, after, <laughs> a while back. I'm just going to come in and eat. Yeah, that's part of the fun. But yeah, once you cook that protein to the right temperature, think about a great prime rib. And then you sort of pull it out of the bag, and you've got this cooked beef at a perfect rare point. Then you sear it with a lot of black pepper and an iron skillet, mm. and you get the best of everything. Mm. You get the perfect temperature. Uh, it's rested, so it's not tough. It really tenderizes the meat, and you get all the caramelization. Remember, this is one of the things I learned in culinary school. Caramelization or high heat cooking, skillet cooking, uh, does not seal in juices. In fact, it makes juices come out. The way to, re- to keep things juicy is to really slow cook it in controlled environments. Uh, searing adds caramelization. It's this amazing action that adds all the flavor, that caramelization, mm-hmm. the crust, the texture. But that's actually going to rob it of juice. 
And so, yeah, you're not cauterizing it like some old Civil War doctor. Hmm. Well, it certainly works, and so does everything else that you put your hand on in the restaurant industry. Chef Linton Hopkins, where can we send your followers and fans? Uh, yeah, you can follow me you know, on Twitter and uh, Instagram, at Chef Hopkins. Uh, you can go to our webpage, uh, www.restauranteugene.com, and it'll link to all of them. Well, it's been a true pleasure for David and I to spend this hour with you, and you will see us very soon. And that was the best burger that I've ever had in my mm. life. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Awesome. Ding. Number one. It's, uh, fun, it's fun to win sometimes. Yeah. Well, you're, you're in the winner's circle. Use the force. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Use yeah. the force. David, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, buddy. Go to BelindaSkelton.com to read up on all the restaurants that we've talked about with Chef Hopkins. You're listening to Atlanta Living, only on News 95.5 AM. 750 WSB. Hi. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.